There is but one insulin pump that does not have any tubing, and it is called the Omnipod, and they are the sponsors of today's episode of the Juice Box Podcast. Episode 104, th- this, by the way, is episode 104, is also sponsored by Dexcom. Episode 104 is, actually, this is episode 104, I don't know if I mentioned that or not. Episode 104 is also sponsored by Dexcom, the makers of the CGM, CGM and the whole darn place. Continuous glucose monitoring is so amazingly important and valuable and wonderful and most excellent listness, most greatness, excellent. And they sponsor the podcast too. This episode's with Jack. Jack is a 20 plus year type 1 diabetic who has a daughter named Lorelai, and she has also been diagnosed with type 1 diabetes. Stop making noise. Gosh darn blasted machine. Anyway, Jack, seriously, again, crazy. It just beeped twice. Anyway, Jack's going to be on the podcast today talking about his business, his life, his goings-ons, his time with type 1 diabetes, and what it's like to find out your daughter has it too. Oh, it's good stuff. Don't forget that nothing you hear on the Juice Box podcast should be considered advice, medical or otherwise. Hi, my name is Jack Freund. I'm a type 1 diabetic. Uh, my daughter, Lorelai, is uh, also type 1. Um, I thought I'd talk to you a little bit about what it's like to, um, you know, discover that your daughter is type 1 when you're type 1 and um, sort of the emotions that deal with that and you know, what's li- what, what life is like and some of the ways that I manage diabetes for myself and my daughter. That's excellent. That's going to be great. Okay. So, Jack, you are how old? I actually, today is my birthday. I'm 38 years old. Happy birthday. Thank you. Congratulations. And way to make me feel old by telling me you're in your 30s. That's wonderful. Um, <laughs> so, oh, wow. So, oh, happy birthday. Um, so, how old were you when you were diagnosed? I was 18. 18. Oh, wow. 20, so, this is a bit 20 years. Is uh, It is, yeah. It's a fair <laughs> chunk of time. What was it like? 18 still in high school? 18 just out of high school? No, I was still in high school. It was uh, January. Um, you know, it's funny. I was, uh, I, I knew you would ask about the, uh, the diagnosis story. So I, I started to think about what, what it was like and what I went through. And, um, at the time, uh, in high school during summers, I, uh, served on Boy Scout summer camp as a, as a staff member, I mean, Eagle Scout. Um, so it was a really fun thing to do, to be able to go away and, uh, live in the woods for, you know, three months out of the year. Uh, it was a permanent campsite there. So, um, you know, we we lived in these canvas tents that had wooden frames and had electric had electricity run to them, so it wasn't exactly roughing it, but you wouldn't call it luxury either. So it was uh it was kind of fun, but you know, so you spent the entire summer there just sort of laboring away, and every week, you know, a new set of troops would come in, and you'd be, you know, um, lifting these uh, camping platforms and moving stuff around. It was a very you know laborious work, um, fun because you know scouting's fun and being out in the woods when you're a teenage boy is awesome too. So uh, but I do recall um, that year I was running the dining hall, and uh, I just remember being really tired, like a lot, just just e- exhausted. And there was times, and you know, because I had to get food ready and, and and prep everything prior to everybody else coming to eat, I had a different cycle than uh, all the other staff staff members. And I would just in the middle of the day just crash and sleep for a couple hours before I get up and work on dinner. It was just a weird kind of schedule thing. So. Um, that was the first, you know, in looking back, that was sort of the first uh, 
sign that I knew something wasn't quite right. I didn't know why I was tired. And, you know, I'm the kind of person that internalizes things. So if I was feeling tired, it was because I wasn't doing something well. And I had to work on that, you know, so that's kind of how I thought about it. So at 18, I mean, hindsight, you see where, where it happens. But in the moment, you're just like, wow, I'm tired. That's odd. I'll take a nap. It's, it's, it's not like you weren't considering there was something bigger than that going on. No, no, I never thought about it. And, and it, was, it, it was even more than that. It wasn't just I'm tired, I'm sleeping. It was I'm tired, stop being lazy and get back to work. Because that that's just kind of how I deal with myself <laughs> about things like that. Gotcha. Yeah. yeah. So I just want to double down. Would you say you're type A? Yeah, there's probably a little bit of that going on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, that's cool. Um, all right. So you're at, you're at this, what you describe as a lovely decision to, to sleep outside for three months. I'm not sure I agree with you completely, but but I, I've never done it. So to be fair, uh, but but so you're in that situation. You're away from home. You're not near your family. Is there any point you reach out or how does it come to a head? Well, you know, there's um, it, it, it didn't. It, you know, eventually I just finished out the summer and I went back to school in the fall. And um, there was a certain point where I just, uh, you know, I'd go out with my friends and it would be, you know, never, you could never stray too far from a public restroom or a water fountain or something because I'm just drinking all the time. And, you know, and it never occurs to anybody. Now, the, the part of the diagnostic story is uh, my uh, mother is a nurse, too. So she beats herself up for not seeing it sooner. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but eventually. Yeah, and eventually she's like, you know what, we need we need to check on this. Go to the doctor, and it's you know you're gonna uh, stay in the hospital for a couple of days. So did I lose you, Jack? Nope, I'm here. Can you hear me? Yeah, you just you did disappear for a second. Um, so okay, so she told you you're gonna be in the hospital for a couple of days, and it's just, do you think she figured it out before she took you somewhere officially, or did she have? I think she suspected something, um, but wasn't sure. So. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So you go to, so twenty years ago is that's a fair amount of time ago. So you get needles, and do you even get a meter twenty years ago? Yeah, yeah, they did. So it was um, let me think, uh, Umulin R and Umulin NPH. That's what I started with, right? And it was syringes, and um, I forget the model, but it was a big, you know, nineteen nineties looking uh, medical device. Yeah, that, you guys, uh, you, you couldn't carry your meter with you. It stayed at home. No, no. So, yeah, you could. Oh, it, did you it, carry it? Okay. It wasn't that small. It wasn't that, that old. <laughs> well, it is your birthday, so try to be kind about that, I guess. Um, okay. All right. So I guess I'm always interested by this because at 18, it's an interesting time to get diagnosed, especially 20 years ago when people's thinking yeah. about the disease is probably pretty different than it is now to begin with. Do your parents just go like, wow, this is a bad luck and here's your injections and you go get them tiger or are they involved or I mean, how does that, cause you went away to college, I'm assuming, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah like six months later. Right. Right. <laughs> in how a different did, state. <laughs> in a different state. So six months after your diagnosis, you're, you're, you're out the door. You and yeah. your, you and your needles and your humor are, are on your way to a, to a, to a, to go to college. Uh, in that six months was, were your parents very involved or was it, did it fall to you pretty quickly? Well, it, it, Again, just thinking about the personality type that I have, I knew that I needed to own this a lot, mm-hmm. and I wasn't interested in having support. Um, and actually, if I if I think about it, I was probably upset whenever my mother tried to offer assistance in any way. You know, I just I think I got this. I'm going to figure this out because in my mind, I thought, you know, I'm 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 launching into another phase of my life, and I can't 
uh, yourself to your mom while it's happening, right? Right. It's a right. moment in your life you're trying to se- not that you're trying to separate, but you're you're branching out. You're you're moving out on your own, and that's that's not the time to be like, "Hey, mom, I need your help with something." You you were you were in the middle of like, "Hey, I'm getting out of here. I I can do this yeah. on my own." Yeah, especially with your with your personality. So okay, so you so you kind of take it on yourself. What what did that look like then? Um, I remember I had a sheet of paper that I would write down all sorts of data on. You know, I, I, would, I was tracking injection locations. And I had this little, you know, uh, I numbered parts of my body for that. Like I was, I was really, really into the data on it. And I was writing down these numbers and trying to diagnose it as best as I could. And uh, it, it was interesting. But, but one, of the, one of the most fascinating things I remember is while I was in the hospital, um, uh, somebody came in to help me with, you know, that sort of rudimentary, here's diabetes 101 kind of training. And they started, and it was, okay, so, do you know what a unit is? And I said, a unit's a half cc. And I, I, th- I think I was eating lunch at the time, too. And she kind of looked at me and said, ah, you know what, maybe I'll come back and we'll do this later. I'm like, oh, okay. But she had left the books, and I just read through them. And so I never actually had that, you know, instruction uh, about how to manage it. And one of the things that, that surprised me the most was um, I didn't get the sliding scale. I got a fixed dosing schedule. So it was, you take it here, you take it there. So, you know, and it was early on in the diagnosis. I, I, I had to come back in, in like a week. And by that time, I'd already diagnosed that I had um, a pattern of lows early in the morning and everything. And, and my doctor was like, well, why don't you just change it? I said, I didn't know that I could. So I, I think I was lucky, you know, retrospectively and thinking about a lot of the other guests that you have and, and, and their stories. That I had a doctor that said, well, well yeah, you're going to have to figure out when you're going to take this or take less or take more. Right. You know, so, so that, not so that be not be low thing. for three months and come back and we'll make we'll take another stab at moving this around and see how it works. Yeah, right, yeah, right, yeah. exactly. Well, that's encouraging. Yeah, especially so. What, you know, would you mind telling me like what part of the country you were in where you got a progressive doctor twenty years ago? Oh yeah, sure. I lived in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. That's where I, I grew up. Yeah, and uh, they they you know there's I don't know healthcare in Pennsylvania is different from a lot of other states uh, because of the the population and then the age and everything. So, uh, you know, in, in general, I think things go pretty good there. That's excellent. All right. Okay. So you're off at college. Was college generally a good experience for you or did you have any, uh, do you have any moments of doubt or panic or did you, were you there for a while and thought, wow, I should go home or you were, did you kind of kick its ass and keep going? How did it, how did oh, there's no way I was going to go home. That, <laughs> that, that wasn't going to happen. He's like, I'm not going home. <laughs> no, no, no. I moved to uh, Columbus, Ohio. Uh, so it was like, couple hours away from Pittsburgh. Um, and, it, you know, it was, it was good. You know, I, you know, had a roommate that I knew um, uh, from high school. We were in Boy Scouts together. So, so that, that went along pretty well. Um, you know, I had supportive friends and everything. Uh, but it was, it was at that time that I really started to get into the nutrition aspect of it, too. Um, so I really started to adjust my diet and to manage things a little bit differently that way. And I saw some really great results from that. And that was, that was very helpful to me. Um, and, you know, college was fine. It, it wasn't, um, you know, I had uh, probably the only two experiences, like, well, I had maybe two of three experiences where I had, you know, uh, some blackouts too, too strong a word, but I went really low and got dizzy and that kind of thing. That happened once or twice. Um, Did someone help you? Was it a friend that helped you? Did you get out of it on your, on your own? Do you remember how it happened? I, I, was, uh, I was working at a place, um, and I, I knew it was lunchtime. And it was one of those things where, like, it's kind of like a, a dream state. Like, you, you look back and you're like, I don't know what I was doing. But, and I had this, like, I'd slip into awareness and slip out of awareness. 
Uh, I was driving at the time too, so it was terrible. But I was trying to drive to get somewhere to eat lunch because I knew I needed to eat something. I had this overwhelming, you know, drive to do that. Yeah. Uh, but at the same time, I, I don't know why, but I was like super paranoid of being pulled over by the police, <laughs> which was not entirely unwarranted because I think I did see a couple of police cars at the time, you know. But I'm sure I was driving erratically, and I couldn't get the car to go where I wanted it to go. And then I remember coming to in like a KFC or no, it was a Taco Bell or something. I'm just eating, and then. I go out again, and then I'm back at uh, at my desk uh, in the office, and I'm sort of just I just pop back up, and I'm like, oh, I think so I you, somebody turned your back on, and you made you you yeah. accomplished all of that pretty much disconnected from yourself. That's fascinating. Yeah, yeah, That's and, really I, fascinating. and again, I didn't have a CDM then, so I, I don't know what I was, but I yeah. was low enough that I wasn't aware of what was going on, so it was no not kidding. very good. You're, yeah. So your your you just your body, your mind just sort of went into. Like like protection, but like I have to get the food, and you yeah. accomplish that any way you could. That's really fascinating. Wow. I, I don't know if it was the most efficient way. To, I'm sure I could have found something closer or quicker or easier. But <laughs> or yelling out, oh. "I'm in trouble! Someone get me something to eat!" Yeah, I don't know why I wasn't. <laughs> <Yeah, right. laughs> I really need food. I'm gonna fly my plane to Arkansas, where my favorite <laughs> barbecue is, and it, like because it seems like you really got fixated on an idea. Like I can get in my car yeah. and I can I can go get food. Yeah, and that, that's really. That's a fascinating look into into what happens to your mind when 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 you get low on blood sugar. But it's also encouraging for people because you're talking about a time where the insulin wasn't as good as it is now, the testing wasn't as accurate as it is now. There's no glucose monitoring, and you made it through college with you know unscathed and and having had a, a really good time. I, I think that's good for people to hear now because you know though I think maybe the one I don't want to call it downside, but the one caveat to all the technology is is that you can see now when things aren't literally perfect. And then, like, you know, then all of a sudden, you know, 100, like, I just bolus started for, you know, she's 120, and I was like, oh, how did I let this happen? You, you, you know, like, that's right. that's not a, probably not a thought you had when you were when you were 18 years old. You probably tested yourself and saw 120 and were like, wow, winning, I'm doing this, you know? Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah, it is a very different mindset. Uh, I, so I've been on Dexcom now for years now four years maybe three years and i remember thinking you know i, I remember i remember th- i remember anticipating that the dexcom data was going to validate how good i was at managing this <laughs> yeah, that was sort of my expectation going on. finally um, someone is going to come pat jack on the shoulder the way he deserves <laughs> And, and 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 say to the world, what what a winner this guy is! And, yeah, and instead, no, instead, what did the Dexcom tell you, Jack? <laughs> uh, not so good. You know, I mean, if I look back, as I, again, data everywhere. So I've, I've been tracking, a, you know, A one Cs for a long time. You know, I, there was I was mostly in the sevens. Um, occasionally, I bump up to an eight. Mm-hmm. But once I got on the Dexcom, I started seeing that curve, and it's such an important way to think about how your body manages energy and metabolism. And, and once I started to see that, it all kind of opened up my eyes a little bit, uh, a lot. And, you know, when, when you go from four data points a day to a couple hundred, your ability to manage change on the fly uh, is incredible. And, and you start to see exactly what that rise looks like before and after, and it just makes a very, very big difference. So I, I started uh, at that point to really make some significant changes in my life and how I manage it to, to try and get that number as low as possible. 
Oh, come on. You would have put the ad for Dexcom here, too. The Dexcom G5 Mobile Continuous Glucose Monitoring System is the first FDA-approved device to let you make treatment decisions without pricking your finger. Just think about what that means for a second. Sure, it's less finger sticks, but that's really just the beginning. If you'd like to begin managing your type 1 diabetes with the same great technology that has helped us to keep Arden's A1C between 5.7 and 6.2 for over three years, please visit www.dexcom.com forward slash juicebox. It's www.dexcom.com forward slash juicebox, where of course you could clink, clink, where of course you could click on the link in your show notes. And you know what? They're going to ask me to read a disclaimer here, and I'm going to do it in a really fun, deep voice. Finger sticks are still required for calibration, or if your symptoms or expectations do not match readings, or when taking medications containing acetaminophen. Hey, you know, while we're at it, let's talk about the Omnipod for a second. And I really, I don't know if I'm going to be repeating myself from ad to ad, but this time of year, spring going into summer, really makes me think about one thing more than anything else when I think about an insulin pump. And it's sort of the myth that people with type 1 diabetes live with that, hey, you know what, if you're an active person and your insulin pump's in the way, you should just take it off while you're doing your activity. You know, playing soccer, take off your insulin pump. Uh, Playing football, take off your insulin pump. Going to go hit a softball round, take off your insulin pump. You shouldn't do that. You need your insulin. Even when you're being active, you need insulin. It's sort of that kind of, I don't know, it's that agreement with reality we have about diabetes. Oh, that person doesn't need insulin for the next hour and 45 minutes while they're playing soccer because they have type 1 diabetes. What does that mean? What it means is they have this insulin pump that's this big thing that's hooked onto their side. It's got tubing that wraps all over the place. And you can't play soccer with that. That's hard. So they take it off and then you sort of just make the agreement with yourself to pretend that's okay. But with the Omnipod... The tubeless insulin pump option, you do not have to do that. You can continue to get insulin in those very important moments when your activity is, Basil, do not snow during the ad, Basil, when your activity, you know, says, hey, maybe I don't need something with tubes hanging off of me. Doesn't matter if you have an Omnipod, there are no tubes, and you can do it. I watched my daughter play two softball games yesterday with an Omnipod on. Blood sugar never under 70, never over 120. You should go to myomnipod.com forward slash juice box to find out more. Whether you're in the shower or the gym or playing a sport or sound asleep or wherever you are, you need insulin. You need an insulin pump that does not require you to take it off. That's just my two cents. Myomnipod.com forward slash juice box. Back to Jack. Back to Jack. It rhymes, but not in a fun way. Yeah, it's real. It is really something. I I just like I said, I just bolused Arden. She's an hour right now. She's a, a solid hour away from her pre bolus for lunch. But when we did this, she was an hour and fifteen minutes away, and she was one twenty. Now the the arrow said she was steady, but the bend in the line was telling me she was exactly. she was going to head up. So I actually did a temp basal. I increased her basal by ninety five percent for a half an hour, and bolused, you know, slightly more. Then her blood sugar called for because I wanted to get rid of wherever it was going plus where it was, um, you know. And so it, it the the arrow has never gone up, but I'm watching the line now, and the line is steadying out. So 
you know, it, it's just, you know, like you said, I'm, I'm not 20 years into this. I'm 10 years into it with Arden, but I can't imagine being able to make a decision like that before. But, but you know, you stop and think before I might've tested at 10 o'clock, saw 120 and thought, this is great. And then she could have gone to 190 in an hour when, you know, by the time I tested b- before lunch, I would have been like, well, how did that happen? Y- you know, so it, it it is definitely a big, it's a game-changing uh, thing. But it can also, like I said, it sometimes it leads some people to feel like they're never doing well enough. I don't have that thought generally. Um, although this morning, I have to admit, I looked at 120, I was like, oh, like, because I had her at 107 for a while, and I was just pretty pleased with that. And, and and I was even starting to like, you know, like you said, like, I don't know if it's ego or not, but I started planning what I was going to do with her lunch pre-bolus based on the 107. I'm like, oh, this we're going to stay at 107. I'm going to need to do an extended bolus because I can't give her too much up front because it's 15 minutes before she goes to, to lunch and everything. And then it curled up and I was like, oh, all right, that didn't work out. But, you know, I mean, it's just, it's night and day. Like you said before, you know, a seven, a, a seven... Um, A1C is not, it's not some great tragedy. You're doing really well, but you you know, it's, it's at the same time, you know, it's still, like you said, it's, it's not where you're hoping for it to be. And, and this stuff really does help you get to that spot. So do you pump also? I imagine you do if you're using a Dexcom. I do. Yep. I have the Omnipod. Yeah. Oh, no kidding. Now what is now? So, okay. So, all right, let's, let's fast forward a little bit. So you're... Jack's off at college. He gets his degree. Comes home at some point. Meets a nice lady. Adopts a baby. What? what do you, how do you get a kid? The traditional way. The traditional way. You found it outside <laughs> of the mall and took it home. And yeah, and uh, <laughs> so um, so you get married at some point. I'm assuming. Yeah, yeah. About what age did you get married? Oh, my wife would kill me if I didn't know the exact date and number at the tip of my fingers. It's uh, early twenties, you know, 20s. 23, 24, something like that. Okay, and so how long do you know your wife prior to to marrying? Oh, we dated. We dated about eighteen months, I think. Okay, maybe two years. It was a it was a long time. So now I'm gleaning from what you ta- said about your mom. Your wife not that involved in your diabetes, like moment to moment care when you were dating. Uh, no, I mean she was aware. She knew you know, emergency, what to do, you know, she would push a muffin across the table. Yeah. Like, like she, she knew enough <laughs> to handle and to keep me from dying, you know, which was, which was good. Yeah, that's funny. Um, so, okay. So, but so, so you're not, but you're not really involving her in the nuts and bolts of it and everything. Did that change after you got married at all? Or have you kept it sort of like that? Well, the change really didn't happen uh, until my daughter Lorelai was diagnosed um, about a year and a half ago. That, that, that was when the big change happened. And how because old was she when she was diagnosed? I'm sorry. She was seven. Okay. She was seven. Now, is it something you ever considered prior to her diagnosis? Like, was, Absolutely. You walked around just looking at her going, I wonder if that's going to happen to her? Um, yeah, but I mean, even before, you know, the stork dropped her off, I, we would have these conversations where we would say things like, you know, I, I don't know because, you know, the odds are pretty good, you know. It could happen <laughs> for if, sure, uh, right. It, you know, and, and, and I, I it, but not, not just physiologically but even emotionally like I, I i remember i remember very distinctly i had a conversation with my wife at one point and i said listen i'm worried because if i have to make a call between me and her you know it's kind of like when you when you're on a plane you know you have to take care of your own air, uh, um yeah. Uh, yeah, air put, supply first put, her, put and, on and your that, own mask first right right and that that made me very nervous and felt guilty about it and you know 
eventually I think it just became, um, I think it was more important to have her in our lives than not. And then we went ahead with it and, right. and it, and it was fine for a couple of years, obviously. And it wasn't a problem. And I'm very thankful that, you know, she didn't get diagnosed younger than she was. Cause I mean, everybody manages, right. You know, but some, but some I, ages I think, are easier than others for certain. Yeah. And I think that's, I think that like, I, I hear your stories about, you know, when she's an infant and can't communicate and you're trying to figure out what's going on like that, you know, that provides its own set of challenges that I'm glad I didn't have to rise right. to. Yeah. Seven's, you know, it's funny as we're handicapping this, seven's an interesting age for a diagnosis because old enough to communicate young enough to really follow your lead without questioning it. Not old enough to feel like their own real sense of person where they're going to buck this buck you. You know what I mean? Like there's a, yeah, that might be a sweet spot age. You might've in a bizarre way, won some sort of a sad lottery, <laughs> you, you know? Um, but right. it's, it's funny as you were talking, I always think about this and I never talk about it because I, I just never know how to talk about it in a way that's, you know, that people will take my, my meaning the way I mean it. And that that's always a scary way to start a conversation. But, you know, having like, forget diabetes for a second. Let's say your mom's a cancer survivor. Your dad died of cancer. You're in your thirties. Your wife's father died of cancer. Like no one ever then thinks, well, maybe we shouldn't have a baby because maybe the baby will have cancer. Like, you know, it's funny. You don't think like that. Like, I guess it's love or the way the world works or, you know, the drive to procreate or whatever it ends up being is people really don't think about things like that. But diabetes is one of those spaces where you hear everyone does think about it. Everyone's like, well, I don't know. Should we? Because, you know, and then you get caught in that quandary. I don't want to, I don't want to make a baby and basically knowing it may have diabetes, even though it's very possible it may not too, but, but you feel like you've then like doomed that baby to this, to this diagnosis. But at the same time, you could sit here for an hour and make an argument that you're living a perfectly fine life with type one diabetes and you're really fine. And so, you know what I mean? That's like such a strange conversation to have. There's so many avenues to it and, and like break off conversations, but, but your overwhelming thought in the beginning was, should we be doing this? It was a question. You obviously answered the question with yes, or you got drunk after a wedding or something like that. I don't know exactly how it worked out, but, but you know, you eventually, you, so you, you, you know, you make a baby, she comes out, she's delightful. Um, oh, but let's see. Part of the way I think about the world, and, and, and I always have to caveat this, is you know I'm a professional risk manager mm -hmm. um, for, for IT systems, you know, so I'm very into the quantitative and philosophical nature of what risk looks like in the world. And so one of the questions I ask a lot to help sort of calibrate that is compared to what, you know. So we'll we'll walk around as a society and, and you know bemoan the terrible state of things and you know how this could kill you or this could kill you or this could kill you and, and, the, and you know and, and to really keep it in perspective you have to ask compared to what so when i think about diabetes uh, and i think about how that compares to other types of illnesses and, and other forms of death um you know we don't none of us gets out of this alive <laughs> we're all going to die from something right you know so you know when 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 you look at it from that perspective saying okay it, it doesn't matter what life you bring into this world at a certain point, they're going to have pain. At a certain point, they're going to suffer and eventually die. You know, but but that's the price you pay for living. And without having that at all, um, I think that's a far worse thing than you know being a part of our world. And that's 
that's really what it came to me is, is, you know, while I considered it, because again, I like to mitigate risk and think about what could happen. Um, that was a consideration, but it never really prevented us um, from moving forward with it. It, it, it. But again, you know, we, we did weigh it. We did consider it. I see. I think I love it when the person who's on the podcast makes the point better than I can make it. Cause that's you. That was fantastic. Thank you. And, and to, to dumb down what you said and completely take it in a childish way, um, you know, on the walking dead, people still get pregnant. So, um, yeah, right. You, you, right like you, you really should, whatever the world has to offer, it's delightful to be alive in it. You, you know what I mean? Like, like for whatever it is. And, and, and it's funny too. No one, no one sits around tonight going, well, maybe, I mean, maybe some people do, but hey, you know, we're thinking of having a baby, but I just saw this thing on Nat Geo and the polar ice caps are really, really diminishing. Like maybe we shouldn't, you, right. you know, like, like I don't want my great granddaughter to be stuck on a raft for her last 10 days. Like, you, you know, like it's, it's, no one thinks like that. You just, you got to live on the, you, you live the life you get, you live on the planet we have to live on and you do the best you can with it and, and you move on. And I think that's definitely the way to think about it. Uh, it is at least for me, but it's always interesting to hear how other people talk about it. So, um, okay. So seven years old, it's in the back of your head that maybe it could happen to her. It's been about a year, about a year and a half, you know, removed from it. When, when the diagnosis comes to her, do you see it right away or, or did it sneak up on you as well? Yeah. So this is where I have a lot of guilt <laughs> because I really should have saw it sooner than I did. And the doctors tell me that I did a good enough job, you know, and I got it in time and there wasn't any problem for that. But, you, you know, in your head, you're still kind of like, I, I should have known better. I really should have known better. Um, so it was Easter weekend and uh, we had went. Uh, so we live in North Carolina now. Um, so we had uh, spent the weekend in the mountains uh, visiting Mount Mitchell. And I remember, you know, I was starting to get worried in general around her health. Um, you know, she was six or seven, you know, she was a kid. She didn't necessarily eat the best. Uh, so a lot of chicken nuggets and mac and cheese and that kind of thing. And, you know, it was really hard to get her to branch out. And I remember just in a very, I'm so guilty about this, but I remember um, she would complain a lot about um, exercise and movement and that kind of thing. And I'm like, you got to get moving. And I, I was, I remember had this conversation with her. I was like, listen, you know, I'm your dad. I have, I have, I have type 1 diabetes. That means you're probably you know, better than average chances, you might have the same thing too, or type two or something like that. So you have to sort of think about health in your life and what you eat and exercise and that kind of thing. And she felt terrible. Like I, I, the way that I told her, and I don't remember how it was, but I remember her emotional reaction was she thought I was blaming her and that she, and that if she didn't do these things, she would get it, which of course is not how it works. But. And, then, and then Jack's like, wow, I did that completely wrong. I, I totally, did you even go over it in your head first now as it was coming out of your mouth? You're like, this isn't working. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, 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 I totally did. I totally did. And, you know, I, I, it, and probably it came from a good place because in my mind, I probably already worked out what was going on because she was waking up in the middle of the night and going to the bathroom. So, you know, classic, classic presentation. And I just remember thinking, hey, well, yeah, maybe her bladder's growing or her body's growing at a different rate than her bladder and she just has to go. And this is totally normal. But I probably worked it out in my head enough, and I, you know, I was doing that math thing. Eh, maybe so. So I, I think it came out that way, uh, and it, I, I was very unintentional. But, um, you know, and like all children, you know, scared to death of needles or injections or anything like that. So I said, no, you know, we 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 had gotten home um, that night. It was late from um, our trip to the mountains, and I said, you know, why don't I, uh, you know, go get one of those chem strips, which you can still buy at the. Uh, at, at the pharmacy. I don't know why they tell them, but you can still go get them. 
so I got one so that she didn't have to, you know, have a finger prick. And um, it was, you know, one of those colors that was not good. Yeah. All right, we're going to have to follow up. Right. Well, finger prick. You Jack, totally freaked out. Yeah, no, no kidding. Um, hey, real quickly before I say what I'm going to say, I'm getting like mic noise. I don't know if you're touching it or moving or when I'm trying to decide what it is. Are you wearing a headset with the that the mic's like on a wire or something like that? Maybe. No, no. no. I'll right. uh, I'll try and manage it a little bit better. No, it's fine. Um, okay, so I want to uh, I want to tell you something to try to alleviate your guilt a little bit. So this past weekend was really like a nice event for us. We um, Arden it wasn't we it was Arden was invited to come up to Manhattan and ring the opening Nasdaq bell with Dexcom. I real, saw that. That was amazing. Really fun. It was a great time. So. Um, you know, it was one of those things where we live within driving distance of the city. We go into the city fairly frequently. And so when, you know, when they reached out and they were like, would you like to do this? I was like, yeah, sure. And it was, you know, like a week after they asked me and I kept thinking like, I guess, you know, gosh, I don't want to like drive up the morning of, because it's, you have to be there at eight 15. And, and I remember saying to the guy like, you know, can we spend the night before? And he goes, Oh no, no, we're going to, you don't have to come up that day. Cause you know, people are coming from all over the country. You know, we're, we're happy to get you a hotel. So Dexcom did cover, they paid for our hotel, they paid my parking, uh, my gas, and, and they bought us one meal. But that, you know, not that that's any small thing, but that was the, the extent of it. Um, so the day before we ring the bell, my wife and I were like, you know, let's go to a show. You know, kids haven't been to, to the theater in a while. And so we, we, caught a, we caught a play while we were up there. And then on Sunday, we're like, you know, it's it's really early, but the Radio City Music Hall Rockettes just opened. Why don't we why don't we go see the Christmas show? So we do that. I think it's like a one o'clock show or something like that. Now we walk up to 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 Radio City Music Hall. It was about it was about nine blocks from where we were from Times Square. So you know, it's a fifteen minute walk. We get up there. We find this nice little bakery to have breakfast in. Arden's blood sugar is great. You know, she's having um, you know, we're having like little pumpkin t- like torts and their tarts and like all this stuff and and you know we're not restricting what she's eating she had a little salad because she's the best eater out of the four of us and you know we're bolusing and in my mind i just i don't want her to get high during the the show i don't want the show to get ruined for her that way right right and then we get into the show and she's like 78 80 and i was and we had gotten some popcorn i was like hey have some popcorn and everything and her blood sugar just sort of hung around 80 which was fine it was it was great actually but then the show ended, and it was one of those things where the kids, I think people were hungry, but they weren't hungry. They were trying to think about lunch later, but nobody was really that interested in it. Like, you know, it was like one of those weird spots. And so we, I looked at her blood sugar, and she was right at 70. And I said, hey, let's cut your basil off for a half an hour and see if we can get that to come up. Yep. And then we sort of got distracted. And I just forgot that she was on the low side. And then we walked through the city and, you know, and my wife's like, Hey, maybe we should get dinner now. By this time it was like four 30 or five. And I said, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And we're walking towards this pizza place, you know, that we want to go to and we're walking and Arden's like, she's she's slowing down and she's like, my leg hurts. And I'm like, Arden, come on. Like, you know, it's no big deal. Like, you know, you know, it's the shoes you're wearing. Keep going. It never occurred to me. Maybe the temp basil didn't work. Like, and I don't know why, you, you know what I mean? Like it was just the moment and kind of like the craziness of it. And so we finally get to like, a, we're like two blocks from the place. And I said, what's your blood sugar? And she looks, and she's like, it's like 63. 
And she's like, I'm starting to get dizzy. And I was like, oh, and all I could think was, how did I screw that up? You know, like, like I really, really screwed that up. And so I gave her some, a little bit of juice, but we were a block from the pizza place. So I also didn't want to end up in the pizza place right. with her blood sugar 140, like going up. And so I'm like, here, just have half of the juice. We get in there and she got down and sat at the table and she was low enough that she was, she was just like, I don't know if you ever get like this, but it takes the, like, I mean, I know you understand the concept of it taking the life out of you, but she just, I'm not hungry. I don't want to eat. There's nothing here I like. She was She's just, yeah, yeah, she was like that. And so we order the food because we're usually of that come of that idea of like, you know, put the food on the table and she'll, she'll eat it, you know, and we ordered the food. And, um, you know, it came out, I saw her first reach out for a piece of salad, like, like, just like so pissed that she had told us she wasn't going to eat, but now she's eating. Like she was almost disappointed in herself, you know? And while this is all happening, I'm just sitting there thinking, wow, I did this. Like, you know what I mean? Like I messed this up. Like that, this is really on me and the pizza hit the table and, you know, she's low. So she just grabbed the pizza. She started eating and I, I immediately started bolusing for the food and when her blood sugar came back up, you know, I I felt terrible because at one point we really did we just treated her like like a you know like a kid who didn't have diabetes and that was acting poorly. And I in my mind I was like, well, how did we miss this? Like, how were we like, hey, you can't you know, you know, we're in the city, we're having a good time. Like, I don't understand why you're upset. Like, you know, it, we just got lost in like regular life and didn't think about diabetes. But no, but uh, that's okay. Like, yeah, that's, yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's. But that's the whole goal, right? Is, is is to forget that we have this and forget that we suffer with this, and and, and that you know you and, and you shouldn't feel guilty that you treated her like she wasn't diabetic. I so. forgot. Yeah, I, I I'm doing such a good job of forgetting about diabetes. I forgot but, about it completely. I didn't do anything <laughs> about it. But but what I did afterwards was this: after she felt better, we were sitting at the table. I was sitting on the same side of the table as she was, and I put my arm around her and I got really close to her and I I, I said to her in her ear, "I'm like, listen." I'm sorry that I was tough on you about how you were acting. I really, I just didn't occur to me about your blood sugar. And there were like weird, like other things because like in Manhattan, I don't know how aware people, everyone is, but sometimes cell service isn't great in Manhattan. So my Dexcom share didn't work as well as I needed it to. Like, like there was all kinds of like little things. Like she was, it was beeping in her purse, but it was the city and it was loud and nobody heard it. And like, you know, like it was all that kind of going on at the same time. But I just, I told her, look, I said, look, I do my best. Um, you know, most of the times this doesn't happen. I said, it's, you know, I'm not, I'm not saying it's never going to happen again. Um, you know, I'm not like, I didn't want her to feel like I was like begging her. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I'm so sorry. I just let her know. I'm like, I made a mistake. You know, I apologize. What I'm apologizing for is really, you know, that I treated you like you were misbehaving when it wasn't on you. And, you know, we just sort of moved on from there, but I don't know if that makes you feel any better or not, but it was, uh, you know, it was definitely one of those moments where you're like, wow, how did I not see that? You know? Yeah. So. No, no, I, I think that was good. I, you know, one of the things that we like to do when we have mistakes like that, and that happens all the time, uh, just part of being diabetic is to, you know, cause mo- one of my goals is to train her to be as independent as possible about this as soon as possible. So I, I sort of, we have this and, you know, age-based um, expectations come into this as well. But, you know, I say, okay, so do you remember how you felt when this was going on? You have to learn to recognize that you need to raise the alarm. You know, so I'm, I'm, I'm trying to do a little bit of, um, you know, 
post review of what happened and to think about that a little bit. Yeah. And and it's and this is part of the unfair part about it. But one of the conversations we have a lot is, and, and she's eight now. She'll be nine here in a couple of weeks. I said, you know, uh, you have to be better than most eight year olds. Like it's very unfair, you know. But you can't lose your phone. Uh, you you can't do that. You you have to be more mature and better disciplined than most kids your age. And 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 I feel that if I keep reiterating that message now, she's obviously, and she and she is better than most kids her age in terms of those kind of things. But it just sort of reinforces ownership of the condition in 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 as, in as much as she's able to handle it, you know. And and we feel a lot for her because again because she's a child but i think i think just reiterating with her and reminding her that ultimately the way she feels belongs to her and if i miss it or my wife misses it you know she has to remember to say something about it and that's, that's, that's again that adds guilt to you as a parent but it's it's, it's an important uh, it, it's an important philosophy i i think to help her launch into life later no no i i you know i have to say i it's funny you said said about the phone because Arden's had an iPhone since the day she started kindergarten, and she's twelve now. Never lost one, never broke one, ever, just never. And you know it, and doesn't drop it. She's just good with it. And I think it was that first day where I was like, look, you know, obviously most five year olds don't have cell phones, um, but we want you to be able to contact us from the bus if something should happen. And it was funny, iPhone had just sort of come out that year. And because of the visual nature of it, we take it for granted now, a child could run it. But you give her a flip phone back then, and she couldn't navigate through those menus. She didn't know what she was doing, you know. Um, And that's how she ended up with an iPhone when she was five. Um, But, you know, this is for you. It's, you know, it's not a toy. You can't take it out during school, blah, blah, blah. It's for the bus. And she always took that very seriously, you know, to the point where, you know, a couple of years ago in middle school, we were there in the evening for something. It was like a bazaar or something like that. They were selling stuff for, you know, for the school. And Arden wanted to take a picture with her friends, and she did. And then she said to me, I think she's like, she she was like, can I take my phone out here? Because I want to put it on Instagram. And I was like, yeah, yeah, sure. And she goes, because the, the principal told me never to use the internet for anything except for my you know, and she was just so very serious about it, you know, and, uh, and you're right. It's not fair for a little kid to feel like that, but it is, it's accurate. I mean, it is their life. You know, you're, I don't know what fair means. You know what I mean? Like, is it right? right. without diabetes? I don't think I'd want my eight year old or my 10 year old to be the kind of person who was just like, Hey, there's rules, but I don't care. You you know? So like, I'm, I'm happy. I'm sort of happy with how, because I think that the, the the maturity that it can bring to you is one of the benefits of it. You know, I don't I don't necessarily see it as a as something that you know I'm I'm sad about. I guess right. Um, yeah. yeah, probably not the best way to get that kind of maturity early yeah. in life. Right. But you know, I'll take it. Yeah. Listen, I'm I'm a very responsible person because my dad left my mom when she, when I was 13 and I was thrust into the position of taking care of my brothers. I'm assuming there were better ways to get to that responsibility and maturity. But right. it's the way it happened for me. So you know, um, it, you know, it's funny if you if you believe in that kind of stuff. You know, I was put in a position when I was 13 years old to be the caregiver to little kids, and now as an adult, if you ask me to describe myself, I think, you know, if I was being honest, I I am sort of a caregiver at heart. I I do worry about other people before myself, and it 
feels good to me to help people, you, you, you know, and, and, um, mm-hmm. and I don't know that that happens if my dad's not a bad guy and leaves my mom, you know, so what are you going to do? Yeah, it is funny how life works out that way sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. I, I guess that easily could have turned me into a meth head too, but, um, <laughs> it worked out okay, I guess. Yeah. Uh, but you know, like, you know, it's, it's a crapshoot. You get what you get, I guess. But, but it really did. It, it is definitely shaped who I am. I even see myself. I realized the other day, put a picture on Instagram. I have this cactus that grew another little cactus, like baby out of the side of it. And I realized I look at that thing every day and it makes me smile. And I think on some level, it's because I'm taking care of it. It's doing well. And I don't even know if that's healthy or not. I can't, I can't tell. Um, and I don't, have, I don't have enough time to go to therapy to find out if that's good or bad. <laughs> <laughs> well, so something else that I'll talk about a little bit is, is I think in addition to that responsibility aspect of it, I think there is a certain amount of self-advocacy that I try and instill in her as well. So uh, I, I, I love these kind of stories, but you know, You'll go to an NFL game or an art museum, and uh, you know it's like, oh, sorry, sir, uh, you can't take that bag in here. And I'm like, yeah, I can. And, and just just being able to have that chambered and ready to go, and the ability to challenge authority sometimes uh, when it's necessary for your health is another thing that I think is important um, for kids with diabetes to learn. Yeah. And, and it's and it's really difficult because we spend a lot of time telling children. To obey authority figures, obey your teachers, obey the, you know, and you have to say, no, 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 I'm going to take my phone out now. I'm going to check right now. Or, you know, um, there's no food in in here, sir. I remember, I remember in college, uh, I was in, it was a big lecture class. There was maybe, I don't know, 60 people in this class. It was an auditorium style seating. And I was, uh, I, I was low. So I went out to the vending machine and I, I think I bought some sort of snacky cake and I brought it back and the professor was like, oh, uh, I, I, I don't allow food in my class. I'm like, it's okay. I'm authorized. And he just, he, the, you know, it stopped he just him, looked right? at me, <laughs> just looked at me like, you know, how dare you, uh, you know? And I said, uh, it's fine. You can go ahead and teach me. I'm just going to go ahead and eat this. Uh, I'm type one. I eat. but you know, it, and I wasn't trying to be snarky with it. I mean, I was low, so I probably right. was you a little bit, been, but, right, right. yeah, but it was kind of like, why does it matter to you? <laughs> I'm not interrupting your class. And you know, I, so I, it's, yeah. It's and it's a lot about how you say things too, right? Like I, I know Arden's bag gets checked sometimes we go into things. I've always explained to her, I'm like, you don't say, oh, I hope it's okay. You don't put them in a position of power. She says, I have type 1 diabetes. These are the supplies I need. That's it. Right. Right. You know, so that's it. And then nobody ever says anything. They're like, oh, okay. But if I you, was, you know, go ahead. Oh, I was, um, I was visiting my sister in Pittsburgh and we went to the art museum there and uh, they said, nope, oh, there's... There's no, there's no backpacks allowed. And we'd walk around the city all, 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 all afternoon. So I had a backpack with stuff in it. I was like, no, it's okay. I, it's just, I have, I have a, a, a medical condition. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to go ahead and take this bag in. And it just, the, the, they thought I had such audacity to even suggest that I was going to bypass them. And I said, look, I took this bag into the Louvre in Paris. I'm sure I'll take it here to this museum here in Pittsburgh. It's fine. And they're like, well, 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 well we're going to have to tag the bag. I was like, yeah, that's fine. But, you know, they don't offer that as something upfront you know you have to have that exchange which is, is unfortunate and is part of it that you have to have that challenge and that response to get to that point i don't know but then the, the the other thing i always say too about using certain words and phrases is uh you know when i fly and i you know go through tsa and i have pre-checks so I, I rarely which is, is better i think because if i have to go through the body scanner i they always have to pat me down because the pods and the and the decks i'm always get flagged but if i go through the, the metal detector it's like i'm a normal it's like i'm a normal person again which is great 
But um, sometimes, you know, they'll just flag the bag randomly. I always verbally cue them and I say, oh, yeah, it's, it's, it's fine if you search my bag. Uh, just so you know, I have, I have syringes in there, so please be careful. And I get the most tepid search of that bag. <laughs> just the end of the stick. Just <laughs> yeah, it looks good, sir. You're, you're you're good to go. Well, it's funny you brought something up, and and now I'm going to reference the same sort of uh, day twice. But the the day prior to us going to the Christmas show in um, in New York, my son had uh, he worked out for a couple of colleges in Massachusetts, um, and then we went into the city and. Uh, and caught a caught a caught a play on the on the first day, and and we went and saw Matilda, which is about to end its run. So I don't feel bad saying I didn't particularly love it. But um, at oh. some at some point there was a uh, as much as I really did like the movie, I, I didn't like the play. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but but so um, at some point in the play, it was one of those things. Where I had some sort of a technical difficulty or something, and the music stopped, the lights went up, an announcer came on and said, uh, performers, please leave the stage. And they ran like rats in every direction. I was like, oh my God, is the building on fire? You, you know, like, but for a, a moment went by, no one makes any kind of statement. And I'm like, all right, it must not be anything, you know, apocalyptic. Either that or they've all abandoned us and left already. But, but you know, like I was like, I, it seems okay. And I said to my wife, it was we were in in the Schubert Theater. It's one of them in New York that feels like it was built in seventeen hundred. The seats are so small, you know. And I've got my arm in the sling from the surgery, and I just said to Kelly, "I'm like, I got to get up and walk to the back and just move her. I got to stretch a little bit." And um, and so I go up the steps, and there's this man standing there, kind of pleading with the usher, and I'm just walking around, and but it's hard not to hear what he's saying, and he and I, gosh, if he's listening, he I, I didn't think. He, he wasn't doing a particularly good job of articulating what he needed after I realized what was going on. He was asking to buy candy, but the, the little stand was closed and he's like, my wife needs it by, you know, candy. And, she, and the woman's like, I'm sorry, it's not open. I can't sell it to you. And then she's directing him to go out on the street and like, look for a Dwayne Reed. And I don't know if, if you know anything about New York, like, He's like, can I even get back in the theater if I leave? And she's like, I'll bring your ticket. Explain to him at the front. They'll let you in. But walking out of a theater in Manhattan and going and finding something and coming back is a 20-minute or more ordeal. Like, you could get in that Dwayne Reed and stay in line for 15 minutes, you know? And so um, so we're go he's going down the steps in the quarter, and I just said, sir, can I ask you a question? I had no right to talk to him. I said, do you need that candy for a medical reason? And he goes, yes. I said, does your wife have type 1 diabetes? Is she low? And he goes, yes. And then he looked at yeah. me like, how would you know that? Yeah, you, you know, and I was like, I said, listen, my daughter has type 1 too. I have juice boxes with me. Do you want a juice box? Let's go back up and I'll give you a juice box. And he was like, oh, okay, I think that would be good. And he starts talking about like, I think she had too much insulin at dinner. And I said, no, no, just, it's fine. Come on. Like, you know, so I went back to the seat. I actually yelled down to my wife. She tossed the juice box like up the aisle. I handed it to him and he says, can I pay you for it? I was like, man, get it back to your wife. I don't need money for the juice. Like, go, 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 you know? And, and after it was over, I was happy to help him. But my first and overwhelming thought was I would have walked behind that candy stand and said, lady, this is a medical emergency yeah. and taken right. the candy and walked away. Like, mm -hmm. like, I know that's how I would have handled it. I mean, I would have maybe done a better job of explaining it to her than he was able to do. Maybe he was nervous or I don't know. But um, I know that a no would not have ended me. I wouldn't have been like, oh, well, if you say no, it's fine. <laughs> like, you know, right. it's just, it was right there. She's low. And, and the poor woman, he was going to walk out on the street. And, and he was in such a rush to help her. He didn't even go back to tell her 
like, hey, this didn't work out. I've got to leave the building. And so I was glad I was there. It was very happenstancy, you know. But um, I know for certain if it was me and, I, and if he's listening, sir, you should have done the same thing. You should have said, this is a medical emergency. You don't understand what you're saying. I have to take this candy now. I'll pay for it when I come back and take it and walk away. Um, you know, by the time she gets a cop, he saved his life and they can give her the $4 and explain it to somebody, you know. And by the way, it was Manhattan in a theater. I'm sure the box of candy was 20 bucks, but you know, it, it was, uh, it was, it just was a strange situation and I'm glad you feel the same way. And I, I hope more people feel that way. You, you have to advocate for yourself and stand up. I, I had an interesting experience also, um, in, uh, in New York where, where, um, so, uh, I do Aikido uh, and my daughter does it too. It's a Japanese martial art. Mm-hmm. And, uh, it, 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 by the way, and it goes a long way towards, I think, helping your overall fitness and managing blood sugars. If you have some sort of regular exercise that you do, right. that goes with the thing. But, um, I've, I've, I've never been one for the gym because, you know, I, I want to be fit to do something, not go to the gym to be fit. Like, it's, you know, and so I just, I would just rather do that thing. You know, I, I, I want to do martial arts. I, I want to do hiking. I want to do, you know, um, uh, climbing walls. So I just go do them and then I'll, I'll get fit from doing those things. Anyway, so um, in the United States, uh, the uh, the main um, Aikido organization is called the United States Aikido Federation, and uh, uh, it's uh, headquartered there in New York. And they have a dojo there. That uh, whenever I'm in town for work, I always go and visit. And you know, it's Japanese, it's martial arts, so there's a lot of uh, protocol about you know what you do when you're there. And um, I uh, I keep my Dexcom near me when I'm training, uh, and that helps a lot. You know, I can suspend basal rates. I can take a bolus, which I, I take more boluses than you would expect during working out. That it is that's it, part of um, I think just cortisol and other types of things that are going on. You know. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so I'm there. But you know, it's a it's a when the when the head guy for the United States is there, it, the match usually full. So there's I don't know 60 people, and it's New York, so it's a rectangle shaped building kind of you know small and narrow and uh, it's it's pretty crowded um and i was just not feeling it and it was again going back to our initial conversation it was one of the things like man i need to train harder you know i shouldn't be getting dizzy like this <laughs> so and at a certain point i realized you know what I'm, I'm not doing well um so i left now the protocol is normally you have to go to the head instructor on the mat and let them know that you're leaving but i wasn't thinking right and i wasn't well Regardless, and I needed to go take care of something, so I just left. And I went into the changing room there, and I was pretty low. So I started just, you know, downing glucose tabs, and, you know, I was just trying to just shake him really bad. Uh, so afterwards, uh, I had a couple people come up to me and just very, you know, um, very, you know, you, you, you really shouldn't want the sensei and, and bow. Like, it was, that was not cool. Like, a, a couple people were just confronting me about this. And I'm, I'm so low. I, I'm just like, uh huh. Like, it, you know, I didn't even have, the energy to to uh to describe what happened to me you know i, I just I, I just didn't have it you know um but you know I, they, they were just you know not good for me and I was like, oh, you're just terrible you should have done this shouldn't have done that and then you know i felt good enough to go and get changed and you know i'm still a little bit shaky and i'm leaving and then somebody <laughs> blocks my path from leaving and says something else about it so the, the whole experience was just kind of interesting. And again, you know, I, I, it wasn't worth it to me at the time to mention anything. You know, later I had some conversations with people, you know, but, but there is a general rule that says, you know, yes, you should go and ask permission to leave as long as it's not a medical emergency. And what I think happens is I don't think people experience medical emergencies often enough to know one when they see one. You know, 
especially of the type one variety. You know, if, if I had, you know, uh, split open an artery and had blood pumping across the floor, I'm, I'm sure they would have recognized that. You know, but the type that we experience <laughs> on a regular basis. Not yeah. so much. No, I'm, so, I'm laughing. I'm imagining a guy coming up to you afterwards and saying, hey, when you got gashed open like that and started bleeding, it wasn't cool. You didn't tell the sense that you were right, leaving. Right, right. <laughs> no, but no. And, and, yeah, I understand. That's an important metaphor because this is no less important than that. It, well, it's sure. the same kind of thing. You know, uh, it, you know, better that I just leave than uh, we have to stop everything and bring a stretcher up here and take me down to the ambulance. Like, it was this kind of thing. But anyway, so it was yeah, – so, I, I, so, so when you mentioned walking around Manhattan – it was exactly what I did afterwards because I couldn't get a cab. So I'm walking around just like, really hope I find a cab pretty soon because i got to find something to eat. Listen, I wrote a blog post a couple years ago about um, we pre-bullist for going out to lunch. And we were at a restaurant that was maybe eight minutes from my house. And we pulled up and I flat out did not bring my wallet. And I turned back around and we drove as fast as we could home. My, my son ran into the house. He grabbed my wallet. He ran back to the car. I drove back. And as we're pulling into the center where this this place is, Arden's blood sugar just turns and runs. And it was just a day of disasters. I also didn't have anything to stop her low blood sugar. I don't know how I, what happened to me that day. I didn't have my wallet, I didn't have a juice box, I didn't have anything with me. And I looked and I saw a grocery store, but a packed parking lot. And I drove almost up on the curb and I looked at my son and I said, get out of the car. Go right to the aisle where the juice boxes are. Open up a juice box. Let her drink it. I'm going to park the car and I'll be right in. And I was on their heels. Like, don't get me wrong. But right, right. my kids aren't like that. My kids aren't like, hey, I'll just go into the store and eat things that aren't mine. You, you know, like, and not think. Right. And, but I looked at him. I said, don't hesitate. Just do it. And, you know, I got in there. And and I kind of got her. I said, you did a great job. You know, I'm, I really wow, I really screwed this up today, you know. Um, but I, you did a great job and, you know, good for you. And then I let her get to the point where she felt okay. She, you know, and and then we paid and, you know, and left. And I bolused again and went to lunch. And so, you know, but it was just one of those moments where I was like, you can't, don't hesitate. You know, like, I, if I could have just abandoned my car where it was, I think I would have. But I just was... You know, I was like, go now. Like, it even seemed faster for them to run than for me to run. And she wasn't in a bad, like, she wasn't 30, but she was like 70, and the arrows had turned down on her. Like, this was way too much of a, a pre boss at this point, you know, um, a lot of stuff. And I actually remember catching some flack in the blog post for pre bolusing while I was in the car. And, um, uh, you know, I stand by it. it. It's been one time in in ten years. If you don't pre-ball us, yeah, there's yeah. there's no way you can manage. I mean, you know, so in 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 the year and a half that Coralie's been uh, diabetic, I mean, her A1C's you know six, um, you know, mine's in the fives. You you don't get that type of control, which by the way is normal. Like we think of seven as normal because that's what we're told, but five and six is normal, right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, and five more than six, right? So, so when, 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 you know, in order to do that, you have to pre-bolus. It's just a handicap of the medicine that we have. It, just, it doesn't work as fast as right as, as human insulin. I actually, but, you know, I, I was, good. I'm, I'm sorry. I was, I, I was, I was thinking about how you how you mentioned hesitation. Um, so, professionally, I mentioned I do risk management and IT work, and uh, one of the jobs I did along the way was um, uh, IT penetration testing which included social engineering. Um, so fun job, people would actually pay me to you know, try and infiltrate businesses and see how far I can go and the, and, the, and the type of data that I can get access to. And hesitation 
was one of those things that you had to train out of yourself to do that job pretty well. You had to walk into buildings as if you belong there and you had a purpose for being there. Right. People who, 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 who are supposed to be there have that kind of purpose and they don't, um, they don't look around wildly, you know, they don't, they don't look around trying to figure out where they're supposed to go or where they're going. They walk with a sense of direction and purpose. And, and I found that, uh, in that self-advocacy or, you know, how, how you stand up for yourself and how you advocate for yourself, that type of hesitation is really important. If I take that Snickers and I eat it, uh, as if nothing's wrong, then nothing's wrong. But, but if I look you know, furtively around as I'm doing it and I try and, you know, sneak a bite, then, you know, th- there's, there's guilty types of behavior. Did, and, did uh, you ever so see I, someone shoplift and the people who are good at it are just like, they have a television over their shoulder and they're walking out the front door. <laughs> like yeah. I, 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 I know I watched a guy steal something one time that I was like, this is impressive. Like, like, you know, like he's just, he's just, it was, it was that difference between like, it, it's just a mindset, right? Like when you're doing something, you know, you're supposed to be doing, you don't act sketchy. And if you can, if you can tell your brain I'm okay doing this, then like you said, you just do it. The minute you're not, it's it draws attention to you. you know, so, I I, I want to say this because I, I it's almost out of context now. But we were talking about pre bolusing while driving, and one time Arden was her blood sugar was like stuck. It was like at one of that 160, it wouldn't move. We we're on our way to a restaurant, and I said, look, I said we're 10 minutes away. It's one of those restaurants you go in, you you you're eating right away. Right, I said, yep. I am going to hammer you with insulin right now. I said, and I said, and we're very lighthearted around here. And I was like, but if we have an accident, when you open your eyes, drink a juice. <laughs> it's like <laughs> right away. <laughs> it's like, because what? there's what? no, I'm not building any like wiggle room into this. Like, like, so, you know what I mean? And, and, and it, it's one of those moments where you're like, you know, you could go into that restaurant with that 160 and end up at 250 even with a big bolus, but if you can, you know, give that insulin a head start, then it's a different thing. And you know what, Jack? Uh, now we say uh, nothing you hear in the Juice Box podcast should be considered advice, medical or otherwise, and always consult your physician before making changes to your medical plan. This is just a podcast. There we go. Um, well, we're com- we're coming up on an hour. I, I monopolized some of your time. I felt chatty today. I haven't done an episode in a while, I guess, um, because of my surgery. Did we miss anything that you were hoping to talk about? Um. You know, I, I know I want to talk a little bit about nutrition because I think that's that's an important part of this. And um, w- one of the goals that I have is to minimize the amount of insulin I take every day. Mm-hmm. And um, it, it's it's different, I think, for children because growth is a part of being a child and growing and that kind of thing. But I think that um, I, I think that doing that makes a really big difference in your overall weight and health management. So you know, I. I I do low carb, uh, keto almost, but we don't suffer. And, 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 you know, I mentioned earlier that Lorelai, um, was not a, gr- a great eater as most children aren't when, you know, prior to, to, to diagnosis. And one of the things that my wife and I, um, really committed to was we said, listen, we want to make this as easy as possible for her to succeed. And I was, you know, I, I was the one that was afflicted early on. Uh, so I didn't really impose restrictions on everybody else. If you guys can't be one. I'm just going to, you know, I have adult size self-control, so I, I didn't, you know, partake. Um, but we, we came home while she was still in the hospital. We had just, you know, took a little break from dealing with all that emotion. and We purged our pantry and our, we just took everything out of it. And we went in a full low carb. And I, I had done that when I was in college for a while and I'd slipped away from it for a long time. And I was, I was not as healthy um, as I was when I was doing it. 
Um, but I think uh, one of the things that was most surprising for me was how much Laurel I adapted to that. Um, so, you know, she eats vegetables now frequently. You know, she, I get these text messages from her that say, thanks for putting broccoli in my lunch, dad. And I think I'm the best dad ever. You know, like, you know, those, those kind of things. And, you know, and, and, and part of it, I think, is a, a, a mindset. You know, like we think, um, I, 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 always, I always joke about this. You know, we think we like pasta. We don't like pasta. We like the sauce and the meat and the cheese that's on the pasta. Pasta is just a conveyor belt for fat. That's, that's, that's what we really like to eat, you know. So when, when you start thinking about that, you're like, well, then why can't I use, um, uh, you know, um, edamame as, as, as that uh, as that vehicle or the delivery system power. for the sauce. Yeah. Right. All, all I need to do is get that meat and cheese in my body somehow. So I'll put it on some veggies. So, you know, I'll make a pizza with some, you know, I'll chop up some peppers and onions and I'll just put the meat and cheese and sauce on top of it. And I'll eat that, you know? So, so a lot of it is being flexible and creative in the way you think about eating. And, and, and I know there's a lot of um, debate in the diabetic community around, you know, should we eat this way or should we eat this way? I, I found it to be super successful, you know, uh, my, my, my numbers are phenomenal. Uh, other people in my family that have seen us doing this are, are doing the same thing. And, and what I want is to be able to, you know, you know I, I don't want to keep my daughter from anything in life. But, but again, I go back to my job is to launch her and, and to help her be as successful as possible in dealing with this for as long as she has to deal with it. And I think to myself, you know, if, if, if she can um, have the discipline from years of just living with me and my wife with this, and, to, you know, when she's in college, when it's her turn and there's a pizza party and she slides that meat and cheese off the top of that pizza and puts it on a low carb tortilla. I'm like, that, that's that's what I wanted to be able to do so she could manage this. Can she eat the whole slice of pizza? Of course. And you show that all the time about how you can make that work. Um, but I, I worry about weight gain because that sort of moves into a cycle where. Um, you need more insulin to maintain, and it, it becomes difficult because I've 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 experienced that where it's hard to really keep your health where it needs to be over yeah, time. Body so mass. I I think that's an important part of it. Um, I uh, I I think I sent this to you, but I I wrote an article around um, how I manage um, diabetes to train in Aikido and 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 how the health and fitness and and wellness all kind of wrap wrap together for that. Um, and, and I think that's an I, I've had some people reach out to me because of that saying, you know, it's, it's hard to, to have a regular fitness schedule when you're a diabetic because you have all these ups and downs, you know, so I spent a lot of time managing, um, diet and in, in, in order to be able to maximize the amount of time that I'm able to work out. And I think that's a, that's an important consideration. As I well. do have the I link to your article. article. I'll, I'll, I'll include it in the show notes. So show people can, please do. Can find it. Please yeah, do. that's excellent. Hey, listen, I think that, you know, I, I, it bothers me when people have to feel like they have to apologize for if they're low carb or they're not low carb, Like you don't need to apologize for that. It's just, you know, it's, it's fantastic. I, uh, ate low carb in my twenties and it was a really good time for me. Like it, you know, I think back on it fondly and, you know, to, to think that, having a piece of birthday cake or not having a piece of birthday cake is in some way restrictive or not restrictive. There are plenty of people that don't eat cake on their birthday. You may have grown up with it. And so it feels important to you. You, you know what I mean? But it's not, you know, just like, you know, it just, you know what I mean? Like it, you'll get through, you can manage any way. I like people to know that you can manage like, you know, carbs with insulin if you understand how the insulin works. And at the same time, I think what you're doing is fantastic too. I, I you know, I don't see a downside in doing, if you can be healthy, just you know, do whatever you want. But but you still need to be healthy doing it. You can't 
You can't say, well, I have to have birthday cake, so it's okay that my blood sugar was 400 all day. Like, nah, that, that's not okay. You, you, yeah. you, know, you know, like, like it, 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 your blood sugar could go to 400, and you might fight with it. That could happen. That's not, that could just be diabetes. But you can't plan for being 400 because, hey, I really want to have this today. And that, that's a weird way to think about it. You know what I mean? Like, it's, if you can plan to, to fight that, that food with the insulin... That's great. If it goes wrong, so be it. Don't plan to be high because, you know, you remember there being a, a birthday cake at everybody's birthday, you know, forever. You know, it's just a, I don't know, or whatever it ends up being. I don't know if that makes sense or not, but. Yeah, no, I understand what you're saying. Yeah, but yeah. I think it's more than just binary have cake, don't have cake. Um, what if your cake was um, made from almond meal and only was two or three grams of, of, of carb a slice? Have two slices then, right? So I, I think there's some some middle ground there. And I think sometimes when they think about restrictive diets like that, they don't know about all the options that are available. You know, we have flaxseed muffins all the time. It's like a half a gram of carb each. They're amazing, you know? So it's, 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 there's just ways to think about how to live life without those kind of restrictions. Um, to be able to manage it well. Did your taste buds, like, did you have to get oh accustomed to it? Like, um, like a flaxseed muffin that yeah. right now you're like, that's amazing. The first time did you, you ate it, did you think, wow, that tastes like cardboard, or did you like it right away? Um, well, I'd done it before, so I was, okay, I, was, I was okay to do that. But the really funny thing is uh, my wife, who hadn't been eating like this prior to Lorelai's diagnosis, she'll, she'll go on now, and you know, she'll, she'll just get blown away by something. Like we had, um, uh, we were low, and my, my daughter and I were both low, and we were in um, Ikea, and they had little you know, milk chocolate samples there. And, and we don't eat milk chocolate now. Now we eat like, you know, 90% um, uh, dark chocolate, which is super better, but, you know, with the right type of, you know, pull a cool up on it, it's great. Anyway, so we went over and I said, all right, let's go have, uh, you know, a piece of this milk chocolate. And the, the, my wife's face was like, oh my God, this is, this is, this is disgusting. I actually had like a tiny little, you know, piece of it. Too it, sweet. It was so overwhelmingly sweet. Yeah. I, so I, I think overall, our taste buds are very, um, in tune to think that a lot of sweetness in food is is what to expect, but when you start removing that, um, you know, like I've I've discovered raisins again. Raisins are incredibly sweet, and they travel and pack pretty well. So uh, you know, so we don't use juice boxes; we use raisins mostly or um, glucose tabs. But you know, you know, a couple of raisins can knock out a, a low with no problem, and you can you know take a whole bunch with you, and and, and they stay forever because they're already dried fruit. You know, but but you, you, I think we forget in general, you know, what how how sweet fruit is, how sweet dried fruit is, and, and you know, because of and, how and, and artificially right. sweeteners like, skew your your ability to, to see that. Yeah, I have to admit, Arden is a better, like I said, she's a better eater than the rest of us in in general, and I do see her eat things sometimes, and she just pushes it away. Like like Halloween's a great example. We just had Halloween. Mm -hmm. She got all this candy. She doesn't touch it. Like she my just, daughter either. Yeah, she just wanted to go get it. She doesn't want to eat. Halloween it. night, she'll have one or two pieces, yeah. and then she, she she hasn't asked for any in the past couple of weeks. Right. Now that's definitely how it goes. All right. Oh, all right, Jeff. Well, you. I'm sorry, we went way over an hour. Um, thank you very much for coming on. Uh, this was fantastic. I if the people don't know how hard it was for us to we rescheduled this nine thousand times for a bazillion different reasons and miscommunications and things coming up and everything. So I really appreciate you being patient. And for coming on and sharing your story, I think it's going to help a lot of people. Thank you. Thank you for having me, Scott. It actually feels like I've been talking to a friend for the past hour or so because I've been listening to your podcast so much. So 
thank you for having me. It was a really fun time. That's wonderful. I, that's the goal of the podcast, too. So uh, I'm glad to hear that. Excellent. All right. I will, uh, I will talk to you soon. I'll let you know when this goes up. I haven't said this in a while, but if you're not following the Juicebox podcast or Arden's Day on Facebook, I wish you would because it's an easy way to communicate. I'm on Twitter, too, and Instagram and all that stuff, but Facebook really is does seem like it's the easiest way. It's uh, Arden's Day, no apostrophe, or, you know, there's links in the show notes. I don't know why I'm saying all that. Just, you know how to use your player in your phone? Just click on the the artwork in the, in the podcast player, and it flips around, and all the show notes are there. Just... Please, stop making things difficult on me. Click on the thing. Thank you very much to Dexcom and Omnipod for shelling out their hard-earned cash to sponsor the Juicebox podcast. You should definitely visit myomnipod.com forward slash juicebox or dexcom.com forward slash juicebox to find out more about these most excellence of things and support the podcast by making clicky-clicky on the links. Again, you type them in the browser it's good. You click on the links, it's good. However you get to these forward slash juice box types of things, that's the best way. Jack was great, wasn't he? So open and honest. Loved it. Really chatty. Loved the conversations. Listen, wherever you're listening right now, listen, listen. I just said listen four times in five seconds. Don't listen. Just here's what I'm saying. That's a lot of wasted time. Wherever you're... I feel bad about it, but I'm not editing it out. I'm tired. Wherever you're listening right now, whatever play you're in, please press subscribe. It's the easiest way to get the latest episode, and I mean, it makes me feel nice. I'm not going to lie to you. Also, tell a friend. If you are listening to the podcast and you're like, hey, you know who else would like this? Jim. Well, then tell Jim. Email him. And don't just think he understands podcasts either. Jim might be a complete idiot. Tell him how to find the podcast. Take some responsibility for yourself.